Well, praise the Lord. I'm glad he touched me, amen. I'm glad he's mine and I'm his. Find your Bible tonight. You're in the building, amen. It's the first time I actually got to preach to a, to a really a blue, a blue pew, but praise the Lord, we got a few of us in here, amen. And uh, what a joy. But uh, take your Bibles tonight. I've got a, a, a thought on my heart uh, tonight. I don't know where my outline went, but nevertheless, Acts chapter number, I could have swore it was in here, let's see, by the way, Acts chapter number 26 tonight, we find a familiar passage of scripture of Paul uh, standing before King Agrippa. We'll start tonight, we'll, uh, let's read the Word of God tonight, I want to see verse number 24, we'll start in verse 20, number 24, we'll read till God says quit. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. Isn't that what the world, isn't that what the world tries to tell you? You learn something about God's Word, he wants to try to tear you down as soon as you say something about it. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness, for the king knoweth of these things, before whom I speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. I'm glad to know, I'm glad to know tonight everything that God does when he does something, he does, a lot of, he does some things in the, in, the, in the secret places, amen, but I'm glad that when he does something in your heart, it's an open thing. He does something internal that sticks out everywhere, amen. It was not done in a corner, verse 27. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. And here's one of the probably the most sad verses in all the Bible. And Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Then Paul says, I would go, I would to God, that not only thou, but all, also all that hear me this day, both, or both almost and altogether, such as I am, accept these bonds. Amen and amen. Let's pray together tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you, God, for the privilege it is to stand behind your sacred desk one more time. God, I realize that I am nothing, and God, without you, I would never be anything. The only good thing about me is at my core, and that's the Holy Ghost of God that indwells me. But God, I'm thankful, though in my, in my flesh, God, you can still use me. I pray, God, tonight that you would move me out of the way. My heart uh, is heavy uh, with this message. It has been heavy all week long. I don't know who's watching online. It uh, doesn't really matter to me. But God, I know there's somebody that's potentially lost. And God, I pray, Lord, uh, tonight, Father, that the words that, not, uh, that I speak, God, they do not hear them as James Allen's words, but rather the word of God from the throne of God. I believe you've uh, firmly pressed this into my heart, and I pray, God, what you put in, you will pull out. I pray that I will uh, speak what thus saith the Lord, not a word more, not a word less. We do not need a message from a briefcase. We do not need a message that was uh, sent by this one or by that one. We need a word from the Lord tonight. 
And I pray, God, as you speak through me, God, I do move out of the way. And, God, everything that's said is loud and clear. Uh, and it's spoken into the hearts of those that are here and that are listening. I love you. And I thank you, God. And I just pray you'd move me out of the way. I love you so much. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Y'all may be seated in the building. Thank you for standing. We find ourselves reading the account of Paul standing before Festus and King Agrippa. Paul gave the most heartfelt testimony before the king. He told of a marvelous light that shone from heaven, a mighty conversation between him and the Lord and his miraculous con conversion. But as we come down to the end of this chapter, in this text, we find where Paul let the rubber hit the road a little bit, and he blatantly and boldly and plainly asked King Agrippa, Believest thou? He asked him, very simply, believest thou the prophets? And I love what he did uh, in, in uh, verse 27. Uh, Dr. Green, who I was studying after this past, this, uh, uh, Oliver B. Green, this past week, if you look at verse 27, Paul speaking says, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? And did not give him an opportunity yet to, to, uh, to answer, but yet said, I know thou believest. I mean, right off the cuff, he asked the question, he said, I know you have to believe and you have to understand. King Agrippa was an, under, he was an understanding man of the Jewish culture. He understood what it was to, uh, to, know, to know the scriptures in that the, the, the face value of them. He knew what the Old Testament said about a, a Messiah coming. He knew all of these things. And so when, he, when Paul asked, thou believest, it was, uh, it was almost as if he was um, trying to con not... not push him into salvation, so to speak, but to uh, get him to say in front of this grand mountain, his, uh, mountain uh, multitude of people that he believed. The statement the king made following the, in the following verse, in my opinion, like I said a minute ago, is probably one of the saddest verses in all of the Bible. You say, why? I thought about, I thought about some things uh, this past week some of the most gruesome things in the Bible. One of the, you know, I thought about uh, an event in the Bible uh, such as when uh, the woman, and I can't think of her name, if she was even named, and I believe it was Elisha, that, uh, that her, her boy died and Elisha, you know, it was a sad story. It was a sad story that, uh, you know, that, he, that the boy died and the mother was, you know, basically said that, uh, you know, I, I've given you our last and I've done this and I've done that, you're just going to come and let my boy die. And, and that was sad, and, and, and for sure that is, that is certainly sad. I thought about, uh, you know, what, the, sad, the sad part when Judas uh, sold, basically sold the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. That was a sad thing. I thought about it was sad when, imagine Adam having to go out and bury Abel. I'm sure that was probably, I mean, the first, they've never, you know, uh, imagine Adam seeing something die. I'm sure that was a very sad, sad point in time. But can I? But if I may tonight, I, I got to thinking about this passage of scripture, and how sad it is that a man was given his testimony by Paul of what we know today as probably outside of Jesus, one of the greatest Christians who ever lived. You have one of the greatest Christians who ever lived give the greatest testimony uh, and miraculous testimony that, that we find in the Bible. And when he was asked if he believed, we find these words that King Agrippa said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. 
I believe that this is the most, this is probably the saddest because of the fact that we do not find anywhere in the Bible after this that King Agrippa actually accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And if you go off that and that alone, we find no evidence of his conversion, uh, but we, but so we'll have to conclude that just as we're sitting in this building tonight, and as you're sitting at home watching this on your device, King Agrippa's in hell. It's sad because he was right there. The opportunity God was passing by. That one of the greatest preachers outside of Christ was preaching his own testimony and to a multitude of people. And they shoot him down. Festus shoots him down. Then he, and I imagine that Paul, maybe he didn't take much offense to that. I can just put myself there. Maybe he didn't take much offense to that. Uh, and I don't believe that he did because of how he addressed, uh, addressed Festus. But I believe almost within myself, if I'd have heard King Agrippa say, Almost thou persuadest me, it has saddened my heart. So my question tonight and what's been burning on my heart is, Why... Wasn't the king persuaded? Why wasn't he, why did he not accept the facts of the cross, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and go on to be a Christian? Why didn't he come to the realization that Jesus was who he said he was, and, and Paul uh, 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 put an exclamation point on it of who he said he was, and he knew what the, what the scriptures said prior to this time of this event. He knew what the, the prophets of old prophesied, but yet he did not gather, and he did not uh, accept what was being told to him. Why? Why is that? I believe... That some of the same reasons that we'll go over tonight, that King Agrippa wasn't uh, persuaded, is some of the same reasons in 2020 that we're not persuaded. The lost people of this world is not persuaded about Jesus Christ. Number one, I thought about, and I was looking and thinking and praying, and I thought about the pretty possessions that King Agrippa might have had. He was a king. Kings typically were wealthy. They had things. They had material, nice, pretty things. And I like nice, pretty things. I, I mean, I enjoy, enjoy the things you know, that you get. Like a car. I mean, I, I enjoy, uh, I don't enjoy driving, but I, I, I do enjoy you know, having a car. And, and, and these, these nice things, the new iPhones, and I, I enjoy this type of stuff. So I can imagine that King Agrippa, he had, he had things. And, I, and what kind of, what kind of uh, what was God was poor to me this week is the material things he held might have had such a high regard in his life that he said, no, if I give in to that, I'll lose everything that I have. Can I tell you tonight, I have more now than I ever had when I was saved. You say, oh, you got saved at a young age. You're right. I did. But listen, before I got saved, I didn't, go to sleep. I didn't sleep well. I worried about dying. I, I literally would, would, would make myself sick attempting to go to sleep. I would worry when it got dusk and, and, and the sun began to go down. I was living at Dad's at the time, and I, I can vividly remember this, say, saying to myself, my goodness, it's, dark, it's getting dark. What if Jesus comes back? I know I'm not ready. Right? I, 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 but I, so I may have not had these material things, but can I tell you that I don't worry about if Jesus is coming back. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Maybe he'll blast us off out of this church building tonight. That would be wonderful. 
Listen, I don't worry about, uh, you know, if I go to sleep, if, if I get up and Brianna's not going to be there or my baby boy's not going to be there. I'm not, I don't get up at night or in, in, in the morning or in the middle of the night and, 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 and check and see if they're there and worry that if, they, if God has taken them. I don't worry about that. But see, I, so I have that. I may not have the most, the most uh, material-wise things that goes, but can I tell you there are some things that I got during salvation that I did after salvation that I did not have prior to salvation. And can I tell you, yes, you, it may cost you a little bit of time, and it may cost you some talent, and it may cost you some treasure, but serving God is the greatest opportunity and the privilege that you'll have in this life, bar none. I thought about his pretty possessions. Then I thought about the rich young ruler. Was he not the same, the same, uh, same predicament? Remember over there in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, about 16 through 22? He has great possessions, more money to know what to do with. See, there's nothing wrong with having things. A lot of these Christians in this day and time says, well, it's, it's wrong for a Christian to be, uh, to be uh, wealthy and rich. Now listen, there, there's a, I believe there's a line somewhere to be drawn. But what I am saying is this, if it wasn't for some of the billionaires that we have, Christian billionaires we have in the Christian faith, what would happen over in other countries? What wells would be dug? What people, what missionaries would, would not be able to be sent if they did not give? I'm glad we, we, we are serving together as a giving church. We give, we gave, I mean, at the drop of a hat this morning, we took up a love offering just like that. Praise the Lord. What I'm saying, though, is that there's nothing wrong with having that, but when those possessions have you, that's when the problem begins to kick in. I mean, if, if it so bothers you that the iPhone 27 comes out in three days and it's day four after, day one after it come out, and you're just in shambles that you don't have the new iPhone, you've got a problem. That phone does not, you do not have that phone, literally, by the way, but that phone literally has you. What I'm saying is that we cannot let the possessions of this world almost persuade us. We cannot let the things get in the way of God. Lost person that might be listening tonight by live stream, can I tell you that you cannot let pretty possessions and things that you have got get in the way of your eternity. Last I checked, you're not going to drive your truck to heaven. You're not going to park it in that garage that you've got in heaven. If we even have a garage, I don't know. We have horses, so we'll see. I don't know. But what I'm saying is you cannot, you're not taking nothing from this world to heaven with you at all. So why would you let some inanimate object, something that, stands, something that will literally burn up one day, get in between you and a holy and righteous God that reaches his hand out day in and day out and knocks on your heart's door more than we're even uh, probably deserve, but yet you don't answer the call. Why? Because I believe pretty possessions might be in the way. Could it have been that King Agrippa wasn't persuaded to be a Christian because the devil whispered in his ear that if he agreed to become a Christian, all of his wealth would be gone, and he would, be, he would go from being a somebody with everything to a nobody without anything. Could it have been? Things do not make a man. Things do not make a man, and things ought not define a man. Realize that all possession that you have will burn up one day, and you're not taking any of it to heaven. I believe that today that, Christian, that, that lost people in this day and time, they're almost persuaded, but what keeps them from being jumping all the way in is the fact they might have to give up something 
that's material to them. Number two tonight, I believe the lost person is almost persuaded out of inconvenience. What do you mean? Remember Felix? Bible said that he was wanting to wait for a more convenient season to get saved. That's what the Bible said, he said. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Proverbs 27, 1. Boast not thyself for tomorrow, but thou knowest not what a day might bring forth. You do not know what happens from day to day. Tomorrow, God forbid this to happen, but tomorrow, Bree and I will get up in the morning, we'll head over to Trenton for lunch, over at, uh, for, or for dinner, over at uh, her, par- her grandparents' house in Trenton. And God forbid this to happen, but I don't know what happens between 542 Hoover Road and whatever their address is, Trenton, Florida. I do not know. I cannot sit in my, I mean, I, I can have a good idea that the, the, the ride is going to go smooth, but I cannot say that for, for a fact. Why? Too many variables I can't control. See, what, 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 do you say that, what did you say that for? I don't know what's happening tomorrow. I don't know if that might happen. You don't know if God might come back in the next five seconds. So the fact of the matter is, you're going to wait until it's a convenient time until you're ready. Can I tell you that when Jesus passes by your heart's door and begins to knock and knock and knock, there's not more, there's not a more convenient time to release everything in this world, all the chains you've got hung about you, all the things that bother you in this world, the devil's whispering in this ear, don't do it. Why? Because you'll get you'll get you'll have to get rid of this and you'll be marked as this, and that and the list goes along with the roll of toilet paper. But can I tell you tonight, if Jesus Jesus is knocking at your heart's door. You need to answer and let him in. Because you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Many people tonight perhaps have an alcoholic beverage to their lips tonight. And by midnight, they, if, if not earlier, they won't know who they are. They'll be 12 foot tall, bulletproof, can run through a, through a block wall with no, with no issues at all, they'll feel like. But can I tell you tonight... You're not guaranteed. You're not guaranteed the next five minutes. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You might drink that drop and it might kill you just like that. I'm not trying to scare you by no means. No one in here. What I am trying to tell you is this. There's a God in heaven that I believe if you're watching this stream, he's a knocking on that heart's door and saying, you know what? What, he, what, that, what, that, uh, what James Allen's saying is right. Not because James Allen's saying it. Because you don't need to wait for a more convenient time for you. Listen, you do not come to God on your own terms. It's His terms or no terms, amen. What I'm trying to get you to understand, and I told you the pastor last week in the office, I've tried to get this statement together and try to formulate it, but the best that I can remember it is what I said is this. Man does not have the authority to negotiate the terms of salvation. It does, God wants you just as you are. You don't have to take off anything. You don't have to shed the friends first. You don't have to stop the drinking first. You don't have to stop the drugs. Listen, he wants you, because I said it this morning, he saves from the inside out, not from the outside in. And what we need to understand tonight is simply this. He loves you and wants to save you. Now, if he's calling your heart's door. Man cannot get saved on their own timetable. So my question tonight would be this. 
Did King Agrippa not get saved and was, was he not persuaded? Could he have been like Felix? Could have Agrippa said and decided that right now wasn't a good time? I thought about this. Paul thought Christ would come back when he was living. He really thought that he would see Jesus again before he died. I really believe that. Well, obviously Paul died. Jesus ain't come back yet. But I thought about this. If Paul thought that Jesus was going to come back in his day, how much closer is he today than he was when Paul was living? You mean to tell me that you're going to take the chance? Maybe it's not a car accident. Maybe it's not. The, are you going to take the chance of that eastern sky breaking? Knowing that you've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing that he is not at your heart's door, and, has, and, and he has given you the opportunity to be saved, and you're going to pass it up. My, my. What a foolish decision. Could it have been, though, that he, like Felix, decided that this time wasn't a good time to become a Christian? Maybe he wanted to live some more. Maybe he wanted to sow his wild oats. Maybe he, wanted to, maybe he wanted to go here and go there and do this. Listen, like I said this minute ago, I have, uh, my life is full. God has given me, uh, when he saved me, everything that I possibly could need. He makes sure I'm fed, which you can probably obviously see that. He's made sure that I have had the money to pay my bills. He's made sure that I, he's on every aspect of my life, taking care of my needs, they have met. Maybe it's not a, not a, a, a porterhouse every night. It's like the other night I had a bowl of, which by the way, I'll eat a bowl of cereal in a heartbeat. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, praise God, amen. Or Fruity Pebbles, praise God, amen to God. But I don't know about that now. But he is taking care, it may not be a porterhouse, it may, but like the other night, I ate, a, I ate a turkey sandwich. My need was met. What I'm trying to get you to understand, lost person, and maybe a Christian tonight, is that he takes care of you. You don't have to worry about going here. And, I mean, if, if God's, got, God's got a direction for your life, if you just get on board with him. Isn't that wonderful? I wrote this down. You're never more alive than when you know Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Well, then we come down to this part here that really, that really, um, that really bothers me. And it's probably something that I've been most uh, uh, troubled in my spirit about this week during this message. But so Felix, or not Felix, but uh, King Agrippa, we, we find that, uh, could it have been his pretty possessions that kept him almost persuaded? Or from being persuaded? Was it the, an inconvenient time for him that he, he decided that it was not, that right now wasn't the best time, I'll take care of it later? We don't know, it could have been, but... I think for today, one reason that many lost people do not get saved and do not want to turn to Christ when given the opportunity and God knocks at their, knocks at their heart's door is this, phony parishioners. What are you talking about? Fake, phony Christians who live one way when they're sitting in a pew and coming to a church building and live a totally different way when they walk out. I know a man today, right now, wherever he's at, whatever he's doing, he, does not, he doesn't want nothing to do with the church because of what a deacon did 
said it said it said this in the church and turned around and was a uh, hypocrite right by I'm talking just like that said it here did it here you don't want to darken the door of a church because of that can I can I, if that person's watching tonight or if you if you're in that same boat can I can I just give you a little bit of something maybe clear that up you don't know if he's going to heaven in the first place that deacon there's a, there's a many deacons in hell tonight because they lived, quote-unquote lived, and put on the mask of deaconhood and, and the mask of being on the deacon, a deacon uh, uh, body, in the deacon body. And maybe he even knelt down and prayed and brought you milk and done all these things for you in your time of need. But he's roasting like a sausage in hell tonight. Because it doesn't matter what you do in this world for other people, it's what you do with Christ phony parishioners my heart's troubled tonight and has been all week about this very point I think we have some of the greatest people on this side of heaven that are members at Southside Baptist Church I truly believe that and I honestly believe that we've got some of the realest people in the world but I'd be, I'd be naive to think that if there wasn't some phony parishioner that, that was on the roll at Southside Baptist Church or at whatever Baptist church. You ever wonder what other people think about you when it comes to the perception of your Christian life? I've heard people say this, well, I don't care what they think of me. I don't care what they think of me, you better. I heard it said this way one time, sometimes the only Bible a lost person will read is the one he sees lived out every day. I heard a preacher say this, he, I think his grandma, I think, said, uh, uh, I think it was Herb Brevis, I think, said this, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. It says something to the effect of this. His mama, his grandma would rather see a sermon preached than hear one any day. Isn't that true? What I'm afraid of tonight, Pastor Sean, Brother Jack, Brother Greg, y'all, what I'm afraid of is that there's lost people that watch us come to church and we live one way at church. We smile, put the nice suit on, we go ahead and put the night, put our, our best of the best of the best we wear. We, we, we wash the car before we come in. We do everything to the T, but yet we leave this place, and in between services, we live like hell itself on Sunday. Pastor Sean, you hit something this morning that, that, I, that I agreed 100% with. I do not believe that social drinking is right, and I'll stand toe-to-toe -to, -toe to anybody. If you, if you think that Jesus turned the water into wine to get people drunk, you do need to sue your brain for non-support. Listen, there is enough Bible to, to, to identify and prove the fact that Jesus, that, that alcohol should not enter the body into drunkenness at all, or even socially drinking it, drink it at all. Listen, you, you mean to tell me that you think I'm, I'm witnessing to somebody, I'm going to get on a soapbox for just a minute because it burns me up to see this. You mean to tell me I'm witnessing to somebody Every day at work, all right? You're witnessing to someone every day at work. And you, you want to tell them about the Lord. I love the Lord, and you're, and you're witnessing to them and doing this. Well, then all of a sudden, you come in. Yeah, they go to a restaurant, and you got a, a nice little bottle of whatever it is on, on your thing. The first thing, the first thing the devil's going to whisper in their ear, I thought they were Christians. Christian people don't drink. What are you talking about? They don't do that type of thing. You don't believe that? Try. Because you... 
a testimony. We have to live above reproach as Christian people. We have to be at the point where, listen, we want to be as in line with God as we possibly can. And I don't believe that Jesus walked around and said, oh, you just want, you got some water? Let me, let me spike that for you. And boop, there it is. He didn't do that, bless God. What did he do? He came to seek and to save that which is lost. And why would he try to hurt somebody in order to help them in that way? What I'm trying to get at is we have got to stop being phony parishioners, coming to church, living the, living the good church life on Sundays, and then going home and cussing, every, going to work and cussing and drinking and, and doing all this sort of, uh, of sin, all this manner of sin, and come back Wednesday night and think everything's all right. I'm glad to know that we do have an advocate with the Father. But what I'm telling you is this. If there is a lifestyle of that going on, something is wrong somewhere. Tired of phony parishioners. For, for several months of my life, I lived that way. I'd come to church. I'd put a suit and tie on. I'd come, it was, it's been years ago now, but I'd come to church and everything would just be hunky-dory on Sunday. And I'd go on living throughout the week like, just like hell itself. We are to live holy as He is holy. And I'm afraid Christian people aren't doing that anymore. Do whatever feels good. The balances will be weighed at the end. At least I'm saved. Listen, salvation, I mean, first of all, salvation is not complete until you get to heaven. Thank God I'm saved, I'm saved and, and, and I'm going to heaven. There's nothing that can stop that. When I get to heaven, faith won't be no longer needed, and therefore I can see Jesus, and I physically and really will be able to see, hug him if I wanted to, whatever. I, whatever. But I'm afraid that we live, too many Christians in this day and time are a stumbling block to lost people because they do not want to live holy as he is holy. There are many people today who don't attend church because the Christian is one way at the church and the other outside the doors. We need, Brother Daniel Buchanan said this, I think, two, or two years ago at Oasis. He said, we need credibility. We've got to have credibility in our walk. We've got to have credibility in our talk. When someone, when's the last time you walked into a room and a, a, a whole manner of, of sin was going on? They were telling dirty jokes and they were doing this and doing that. And as soon as you walked in, that stopped. When's the last time something like that happened? I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to beat up anybody tonight. Listen, Pastor Sean says it before and it is, it's so true. Before we get it, before y'all get it, we get it. Up one side, down the other. We need credibility. We need some strong-willed people that will turn away from the cares of this world and live for God like they're supposed to do. You say, I don't know how to live for God. Well, obviously, you're not very familiar with this book. In this book, it'll teach you how to talk. In this book, it'll teach you how to walk. This book, if, you, if your marriage is in shambles, this book will teach you how to have a good marriage. Husbands, this book will teach you how to love your wife. Wives, this book will teach you how to, be, uh, how, how to love your husband and how, and how the family is supposed to be laid out. This book, Christian at Home, will teach you how to be a good employee at work. 
This book will teach you how to dress, young person. This book will teach you everything you need to know about life. There's not another book in the world that's one book that can tell it all. My goodness, if you tried it, you, you could look at this magazine and that magazine, and you'd, ha- you'd have to have a, a library as big as the library, uh, the U.S. Con- or the library of Congress or whatever to hold it all. But I have 66 books in one book called my Bible that'll lead and guide, and it talks to me when I read it. He talks to me through it. Isn't that wonderful? I think I'm done for tonight, but a very short message, but something that's been, really been on my heart is this. If you're watching this tonight, are you almost persuaded to become a Christian? Sister Judy and Ben, y'all come and play. I'm I'm done, but I I I um I have a burdened heart, Pastor Sean. There's people that I know and love dearly that are holding on to something. I don't know what it is. Church be known, I don't really care. And i tell you why I don't care. It's because Jesus wants to save them. And all they have to do is just, uh, just give it up. And what, what the devil has told you that you're going to have to lose, you might not have to lose it all. Matter of fact, God might give you something greater. We're going to sing tonight, Oh, Why Not Tonight. And if I could leave you with this invitation before we sing is this, Why Not Tonight?